All right, welcome to week number three of our series, Heroes. And in this series, what we're looking at is we're taking an individual from the Bible and we're looking at how they lived and how they learned to live above the norm. Why were they even mentioned in the Bible? You know, not everybody that did great things for God is listed in the Bible. A lot of people just totally unknown, not even listed. But how did these get in the, in the book and what can we learn from their lives? And so in Hebrews chapter 11, it's really like the hall of fame of faith. And so there's great men and women listed there. And then in chapter 12, our series verse is Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith. In other words, you're not alone. There's somebody cheering for you. Not only is God for you, but there's this vast host of people who've, who've lived their lives lives, have done it well, made some mistakes, fought through, and they're cheering us on. It says, since they're all watching, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set us set before us. So there's some weights, there's some sin we need to get out of our way. And so what we're going to do is we're going to learn from these great men and women in, the, in this series. And so uh, we're going to just kind of pull them out of the stands, if you will, and, and learn from their life. Now today's figure that we're going to talk about is his name was Joseph. And when most of us think of Joseph, we think of Old Testament Joseph, but I want to talk to you about New Testament Joseph today. He was, he was an unusual man. He had an incredible responsibility. He was not the father of Jesus, but he was his dad on earth. He was his stepdad, if you will. I mean, can you imagine God looking down and saying, here's my son, don't mess him up. That'd be an incredible responsibility, wouldn't it? I mean, you know, I don't know if I could have handled that, but God knew Joseph could. And so we want to learn some things from him. The Bible doesn't actually tell us much about him other than we see his lineage in Matthew chapter 1. We learn about his hometown in Luke chapter 2. And then this verse shows up in Matthew 13. It's actually from later in the life of Jesus, but it gives us some insights about Joseph as well. It says, then they scoffed, and they were talking of Jesus here. He's just the carpenter's son. So we know here that Joseph was a carpenter. He says, we know Mary, his mother, his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. So Jesus was the oldest, and they had other siblings. All, all his sisters live right here among us. So Today, I want to I just encourage those of you that sometimes, even in our society, our information society, you kind of feel like you're on the fringe. Because Joseph was a man's man. He was a hard worker. Joseph worked with his hands. He probably had some, some slivers. He probably had rough hands. He probably had some dirt under his fingernails. You know what? And he, and he, just, he, was just, he just was out there working hard every day. And it's interesting to me that God didn't pick a wealthy man. God didn't pick an aristocrat. God didn't pick someone that was uh, a religious leader and there, you know, you know in, in a role similar even to mine. He didn't pick any of them. He picked a kind of a salt of the earth kind of man and said, here, I want you to be his earthly dad. And so to every electrician, every plumber, every carpenter, all those people that work with your hands, I want to just, come on, can we applaud them? Thank God I don't have to fix my toilet. Come on. Because I'm terrible at plumbing. So, uh, you know, it's just good to have people that, that are willing to work with their hands. They're such a valuable asset uh, in our community, in our society. And so um, the Bible actually doesn't even record any place that Joseph said anything. 
Isn't that interesting? No, no quotes of Joseph. Now, there are times that Mary and Joseph said some things together, and we'll, we'll see some of those in a, in a moment, but Joseph was basically a, a silent figure. And some of you, you're, 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 you're a great dad, but you're kind of the silent, silent type. You know, mom does all the talking. And, uh, and you know, you, just, you, just, you feed mom stuff and she gets out there and, uh, and, and it works great, right? Um, even at the crucifixion, it does, the Bible doesn't record that Joseph was there. In fact, Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, turned to one of his disciples, John, and said, John, behold your mother, speaking of his mother Mary, and Mary, behold your, your son, and, and, and Mary took, or John took care of Mary in the future, because apparently Joseph was, had died and was, was out of the picture. So what can we learn from Joseph? Actually, I think we can learn a lot, and I think you're going to get a lot out of this message today. Joseph faced some of the most consequential choices that any of us have ever faced. And he did them well. And you're going to see that, that he did them very well. He, his decisions impacted if Jesus lived or died. His decisions, his choices determined if Bible prophecy was fulfilled. Isn't that incredible? His life was actually instrumental to the earthly development of Jesus. I think it even had an impact on why Jesus hung so much with the people he hung with and how he related to the common man. It had a lot to do with his dad. And so today's message is not just a Father's Day message. It's actually a parent's message and it's actually a message for every student and young adult in here because I believe that our choices determine our future and they determine the impact that we'll have in our future. Let's, let's look at some of the choices we make and we're going to go through some scripture here. Matthew chapter 1 where, is where we first hear about in the New Testament what Joseph was up to. It says this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Now think about it. They were engaged and in that era engagement wasn't the time between dating and marriage. It was actually a commitment that was as strong as marriage. You were, you were betrothed. You, were, you, were, you hadn't consummated it yet, but you were married. Okay? And that's, that's the way it was. And so it was a very binding commitment. Now notice the next part. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what would you think if your fiancé came to you and said, baby, I'm pregnant. And you know you weren't the father. What would you be thinking? Probably the same thing Joseph was thinking. I'm out. This is over. I'm not doing this. If this is going on now, um, you know, I, I don't know. I know I've heard of this Holy Spirit, but I don't think so. You know, you may give him credit, but that's not, that's not really what I think happened. So then the next verse is Joseph, to whom she was engaged. I mean, the Bible really wants us to get that they were engaged, right? Was a righteous man. And he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. When you understand the word righteous there, in that context, it means he was upright. It means he wanted to do it God's way. And, and he had a keen sense that what was happening here was not right. I think Joseph felt, he felt violated. 
He felt like this, this is, this is not right. And so he was considering this. It doesn't seem like he was an impulsive man. He was considering this. And it says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Well, this is getting better. Okay. Right. It might be able to get through this. And she will have a son and you, Joseph, are to name him Jesus. It was his responsibility for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. What a dream. What an incredible dream. Now, what would you do when you woke up from a dream like that? Now, some of us would have said, "Mm, pizza. It was the pizza. You know, I, I really should have gotten more sleep last night. You know, some of us would have done that. It, it, would have, it, it was something we would have pondered. But, but look at the next verse. When Joseph woke up, not 10 days later, not three weeks later, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. Okay? So let's look at some choices that, that Joseph faced here, and I think we all face the same ones. Joseph is an example of choosing to be legalistic or life-giving. Legalistic or life-giving. Legally and spiritually, Joseph had every right to say, this is over, I'm done, I'm going to do this publicly, I'm going to shame you. you, you violated the covenant that we were in together. But then he had a dream. He had a word from God and it changed everything. The Bible says here he took Mary as his wife. I want you to understand that. He just didn't say, all right, Mary, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get married. We're going to finalize this thing and I'm going to take you as my wife. No, he received her. When there's been a violation of trust in a relationship, I mean, Joseph did something here. He could have he kept on holding on to legally, I know God said this, but come on. This is, nobody's ever experienced this before. Nobody's ever, nobody's ever had, this, had the Holy Spirit show up to them and say, hey, yeah, he's my kid. Not, you know, that, that's not what happened um, to anybody else. And Joseph, Joseph was, was probably resting, but he took her. He received her. Man, there's one of the greatest things you can do for your wife when you get married is receive her. You picked her. She, she's not perfect. You know, that was for Mother's Day, but it's Father's Day today. We're going to talk a little bit here. She's not perfect. But if you're taking her as your wife, you need to receive her. The good, the bad, the beautiful, and the ugly, if there's any of those. You just got to receive her. You got to take her as your own. So he got up, and, he, and, and Joseph didn't say, well, I have to marry her. I guess we'll do this legally and just go on from there. No, he received her. It wasn't a, it wasn't I, 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 I got to, it was I get to. Amen. I get to do what God wants me to do in this, in this situation. There's a bonus verse not in your notes. 2 Corinthians 3, 6, the last part says, For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We've got to be careful sometimes. We just want to be letter of the law. You know, Spirit gives life. Amen. Joseph had to do something that, that the law gave him perfect permission to do the opposite. So we've got, to, we've got to choose to be life-giving with our lives. Here's another choice that Joseph made. Self-serving or God-serving? Self-serving or God-serving? 
Joseph had every right to break the engagement and to shame Mary as an adulterer. And yes, I use that word intentionally because in the eyes of spiritually, they were betrothed and, and it was adultery she was committing, not fornication. She was, she was committing adultery. And so she was pregnant. He had every right. He could have ended it all. But you know what? Joseph could have fought to protect his reputation, but he chose to follow the angel's instruction. He said, okay, God, if that's what you want, I'm going to put down what I want, and I'm going to do what you want. Students, your choices make a difference. Your choices now impact where you go. Adults, even our choices make impact. Parents, your choice make an impact. Well, how you exam- how, what kind of example are you to your kids? How we live, all of that is, is something that they, uh, that they can see. Earlier this week, I was in, in Lowe's, and I was... And just get a little something we needed around here. And I was checking out. There had been a whole bunch of people. I knew, I knew what part of Lowe's it was. So I went to the commercial entrance. And, and uh, there was a whole bunch of people around there. But when I came back, there was nobody. In fact, I didn't even see a checkout person, a cashier. But there was the light was on. So I figured, there's got to be somebody around there. So I walked up, said hello. And this young lady came out. And, and I said, how are you doing today? And she said, ah, I don't know. So what's up? You know, she's like looking around like, Help, you know. <laughs> what, what, what's, what, what? I can't talk about this here. She said, I'm just trying to get my life together, figure out my life. I said, well, do you know, do you know Jesus? Do you, do you go to church? You, well, I have a church, but I don't get there very often. And, and I said, well, do you know Jesus? Yeah, I've accepted in my heart. And I said, so, so we were wrapping up the transaction. I said, well, let me just share one little thing with you. I said, show me your five closest friends. And I'll show you who you're going to be in the next five years. And she just stopped and looked at me like she was startled. She said, I got to make some changes in my life. See, she realized I had an opportunity. God cleared everybody out so I could have a conversation about her choices. Every one of us have those same kinds of choices in our life. And what Joseph did, he could have been self-serving, but he chose to be God-serving. You know, some of you may be thinking, you know, right now you might be thinking, well, it's different. I mean, Joseph had a dream. The angel appeared to him. The angel said, here's exactly what's happening and here's what I, what I want you to do. And, and I don't get that. You know, I've never had one of those dreams. I want to ask you a question. What if you treated God's word, the Bible, as if an angel of the Lord was appearing to you and speaking to you. Would that change how you react? See, so what we do with the Bible sometimes is we go to it. We want to get a little thought. We want to get a little pick-me-up. We want to get a little encouragement. But really what God wants to do in our life is not only that. He wants to, he wants to say, okay, I want to move you from just being about yourself. To I, want, I want to get you into my plan. I want to get you doing what, I, what I've called you to do. Get you into a new place of joy and peace and life. And so we've got, we've got to do that. We get to do that. I, I, w- I would offer you this today. That we would serve God better if we esteemed his word higher. Amen. Take his word like the Holy Spirit is speaking directly to you because he's trying to. Here's the third choice that Joseph had to make. Was he going to be controlling Or was he going to be God-trusting? Controlling or God-trusting? Here's what I've learned about me. Maybe it's true for you. Is that when I can't control circumstances, I can try to control people. I want you to think about your week. 
Oh, yeah, y'all laughing back there, but you're not doing it too loud because you don't want anybody to know. I know. I understand how that is. You're having a bad day. It had nothing to do with anybody you're going to talk to at home. But you get home and you point out the dishes aren't done. That hasn't happened. Kids, why haven't you picked up your room? Da, 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 da. Anybody, right? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, we all do that. And so God says, I'm going to put some things in your life that are going to work on that. I'm going to give you a church. I'm going I'm to let you get married. And I'm going to give you those kids. You know, you get that two-year-old that you can't control quite like you want to control. And then you say, Jesus, Jesus, just let them get to be, you know, 18 or 17 or 15. I'll control them better because then they'll understand me. And then you get to that age and that's not working so well. And you say, oh, Jesus, when they get out of high school and they go on their own, then I can. No, it's all, you just, just got to learn to give up control to God the whole way along. Amen? We, we've got to understand Joseph could not have predicted the things that were going to happen in the future when he got engaged to, to Mary. He had no idea. You and I, we don't have any idea what this next week is going to be like. And some of you went to the bad place. So, oh no, what's going to happen? I'm not saying that. These were good things that happened to Joseph. He just didn't understand them all in the moment. And God's got some good things for us too. But it may be different than what you think it is or may be different than what you can control in your life today you got to understand that we don't have to be controlling. Amen? So Joseph had a relationship decision. He had a God decision. He had a trust decision. What was he going to do here? Was he going to trust God or was he going to do what he wanted? And so I don't know what choices you're facing today, but I would encourage you to think about those choices carefully. Because if you'll notice in Joseph's story as we go through it here in the next few minutes, you're going to see that, that it was things that he, had, he took instant action on. Some of us are, are processors. Who's my processors here? You can, you can just think about things for five weeks, ten weeks. You know, it took me six months to pick out a new computer because I had to do my research. Come on, right? Then I still had sticker shock when it was all done. You know, some of us are that way. It's okay. Joseph, he, he did it quick. He did what God wanted. I'm not saying quick is always right. Haste makes waste, right? Is what grandma always said. But we've got to understand that we've got to move as God wants us to. So what would Joseph say? If Joseph came out of the stands cheering for us and walked a lap of life with us, what, what are some things he would say to us? I think number one, he would say, listen for the Holy Spirit and obey promptly. Amen. Listen. Get, catch what he's saying. I mean, I want you to think about Joseph's life. Imagine the pressure he was under when Mary said, I'm pregnant. Remember, the, think about the chaos that would have ensued. Think about the crisis. I mean, now you're going to go tell your families. Well, how's that going to go? I mean, this was, these, were, these were people that were trying to live for God. There was disgrace. There was all kinds of things. There could have been shunning and excommunication. There could have been all kinds of things that happened here. Business relationships could have ended. Most likely, Joseph's father was a carpenter too. It's like, well, if you're raising kids like that, you know, I don't want to be around you. I don't want to do business with you, right? There, there were some significant things over and over. But what we see is that over and over, Joseph was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He listened. He obeyed. He was quick. And we're going to see some, some occasions where he did that here in just a minute. He did it when he found out that Mary was pregnant. He considered, pondered, had a dream, took action when he woke up. There was another time it was really important. It was right after Jesus was born. 
Because unknown to Joseph, there was coming a threat from King Herod that he was trying to wipe out all the children age two and below in, in an effort to try to kill Jesus. And so here's what Matthew 2.13 says. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. So what's, what's the first instruction? Get up and flee. Get up and flee. As in, don't wait for morning. Find that donkey. I mean, you're they're maybe in the manger still. You know, they're in the name manger. Get that donkey. Let's get out of here, right? Then he says, the next verse says, stay there until I tell you to return. Because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. In other words, I want you to get up, flee now, and stay there until I tell you. Now, I want you to think about what went through Joseph's mind. I mean, he probably took, here, here, you talk about giving up control. I mean, the guy's trying to get some rest. He's got a baby. It was Jesus. But still, you know, I think there was probably some noise and, and there was some dirty diapers and all of that, right? And then he says, okay, I want you to go to Egypt. And now Joseph doesn't even have any idea how long it's going to be. Are we going to be there over the weekend? Just a getaway trip? Right? Is this, is this going to be months? Is this going to be years? Am I going to raise, as a Jewish man, am I going to raise my, my, my son and be, have my wife here in Egypt for the rest of their day? He didn't know. We, we've got the Bible, but he didn't know. He had, he had no idea. What did he do? He gave up control. He trusted God. Look at what it says in the next verse. That night, that night Joseph left for Egypt with a child and Mary his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. He obeyed quickly. He obeyed right away. He did it immediately. Now, here's the thing we've got to understand that was very unusual about Joseph's life. You may not know this, but between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a 400-year gap. And there's a 400, those 400 years were silenced. God had not spoken to anybody in those 400 years. And all of a sudden, Mary and Joseph are hearing from God. I mean, he had... I mean, he had no family members. He had no religious leaders that were alive that had ever heard from God. This, this was all new. No idea how this was even going to come about. And so the, not only was it unusual, it was unusual that he obeyed so quickly. Look at this, verse 5, this next verse. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. The fact that Joseph obeyed and went, not only spared Jesus, but allowed this prophecy to be fulfilled that had been written hundreds of years earlier. Amen. Why don't you think about your life? Are you listening for the Holy Spirit? Some of us, who's, who's my task people here? I mean, you got a list. I got a list from five years ago. Still got due dates on them. But I got lists, you know. I got, I got things that, that, that I, I want to accomplish. We got to get things done. But you know what? We've got to take time to listen for the Holy Spirit. One of the best things you can do is slow down, come to service, and, and spend some time every day and just listen to what the Lord is saying. Now, Fast forward several years. Look at Matthew 2, verse 19. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a, in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel say, said to him. Now, it, I don't know this, but I'm wondering. You think Joseph might have been discouraged? I mean, his life is being totally jerked a different direction than he ever planned for it to go. 
I mean, he was going to go be a carpenter and he was going to pay for the family. And now he is in a foreign country. He's trying to earn some living. He's trying to, trying to make, make, this, make this all work. There's no, 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 no such thing as normal right here. He, 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 he just was going through life. I wonder if he was, he was so depressed he was sleeping a lot. You know, because that's a normal reaction. When you're discouraged, you sleep a lot. Because it's repeatedly, God's telling Joseph, get up. I'm just saying. Just a thought. He says, take the child and the mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So go, Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. He just, just got up, obeyed. Once again, prompt obedience. Then when they got to Israel, look at Matthew 3.22. But he, when he learned that the new ruler of Judah, Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, man, another one. He left for the region of Galilee, so the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth, which, by the way, was his hometown. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. I want you to think about your life for a moment. What percentage do you think you were bat you're batting today in obedience to God? You like a, a double-A baseball player trying to give above 200? You three for four? Joseph was four for four. Every time he did what God wanted. He, lo he is a perfect example of someone who's listening and promptly obeying. Here's another thing I think Joseph would say to us. Employ self-control. I'm not done with this control thing yet. Come on. <laughs> to live above the norm, we have to employ self-control. We just have to, it's, it's a powerful thing. Young people, students, you, you're gonna, if you haven't learned it yet, you're going to have to learn it in your life. There's going to be times you're going to want to say and do things that you shouldn't say and do, right? And we've got to learn some self-control. Now, it's one thing when, when Joseph and Mary were engaged, they were not supposed to have sexual relationship, which, by the way, is still a true thing today. But, but when they got married, I want you to notice this verse in Matthew one twenty-five. But he did not have sexual relations with her, with Mary, until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. So they weren't shacking. They weren't living together. They, were, they, weren't they didn't set up house to try to kind of practice. And if you're doing that today, I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying there's a better way. Okay? It's still the right thing to do in God's eyes is to, to keep that separation. But I want to tell you, not having sexual relationships with your wife after you're married and you're a young person or an old person, it doesn't matter. That's another level. Come on, right? Isn't that another level, man? That is, another, that is some self-control. Now, some of you women are thinking, honey, I'd like you to try that verse out. Well, guys, I need to do some work, get a little better, okay. But, but here's the thing. 1 Corinthians 7 says not to abstain from sexual relationships with your spouse unless it's by mutual agreement to seek God, okay? And so, and, and so you just, you got to understand that. So don't get any crazy ideas here this morning, right? Here's what Proverbs 16.32 says about control. Better to be a patient man than, than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. You know, as men, I want to talk to you men for a minute. We want to conquer things. 
We're all about conquering the next hill. You know, we're not afraid to die on the hill, but we got to be trying to conquer it. I want to just tell you, it just reminds us here, it's better to have self-control than take the city. We've got to, we've got to get that in our hearts. And here's another one, Proverbs 25, 28. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Without self-control, anything can get in and out of your life and do damage. When you have self-control, you keep that stuff at bay. Here's the thing that happens in our lives. We look to control. God looks for self-control. So let's exercise that. Amen? So you say, well, I don't have, Pastor, I don't have the willpower. Y'all know my thing with dark chocolate-covered almonds, right? We have a love-hate relationship. I can, I can, you can bring some into my house, but they won't last long. You know, just, just self-control is not a thing because the almonds are good for you and the dark chocolate's good for you. I can get there mentally and then the taste is amazing. And so, I, you know, it's a problem. But I want to tell you something. Every one of us have the potential, if you're a Christ follower, already on the inside of us to exercise self-control in any area that we need to exercise it. We can do it. Why? Because Galatians 5.22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, lists a whole bunch of things, but it also lists self-control. It's a byproduct of having a relationship with God and yielding to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because it's really, we don't produce self-control. Done right, we don't produce self-control. Because self-control is not the same as willpower. Willpower is like the battery on your phone. They actually say the more you use it, by the end of the day you have less, which explains a lot of my life. You know, I do good eating right through, through dinner and then all bets are off after dinner, right? And, and so it's like a battery, we get less of it. But when you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, self-control powered by the Holy Spirit can be an increasing thing throughout your day and throughout our lives, Amen. So I'm, I'm believing God for me and for you in that area. Amen? We just got to yield. When, when there's that little prompting, you know, one handful, not six. You know, listen to that one. That's the one I'm working on. All right? So we got to employ self-control. Here's the third thing I, jo- I think Joseph would say. Lead your family to serve Jesus. Lead your family to serve Jesus. You may not be the talkative one. You may not be the outspoken one. But man, lead your family to serve Jesus. We have an opportunity to impact our kids' life for their entire future. I got up this morning and I was thinking about my dad. My dad, uh, actually, it was three years ago on Father's Day uh, weekend that we were with him and uh, gave him a Father's Day gift and he had a, a grand mal seizure and died a few days later. And so that was my last day um, with him being coherent and, and, and really uh, having any of that time with him. And so... I was thinking this morning just about my dad and all the things that he taught me and all the things that the values that he poured into me, you know, sacrifice, loving God, loving your family. Uh, he taught me how to give, give God the first tenth of my income and to, and to handle my money properly. He taught, he taught, gave me a love for missions. There was, there was just so many, he taught me the value of hard work. I mean, that one, that one's a big one. He got, he got, got put all the, but he put those things in, in, in our lives. And I've grown to value those things more and more the older I've gotten. And some of you at the young stage and your dad maybe wasn't a great dad and maybe didn't serve the Lord. But, but I want, I want to tell you today, you can step it up for this generation and for your children. 
And even if your children are growing and older, when they see you becoming more like Jesus, they'll take notice. And they'll begin to see what's going on. And you just keep walking that out and you'll be able to impact them for a long time. You know, I think the key thing for dads leading their families to Jesus is really the example component. Dad never sent us to church. He took us to church. Big difference. We'd get up, we'd do chores every morning. Mom would make breakfast. We'd, we'd go to church. It wasn't, it wasn't a debate if we were going. We knew what the plan was. We just ran the plan, ran the play every Saturday night and every Sunday. Amen? That's the, that's the way to be. And, you know, we should be examples in reading our Bible and praying. And, you know, I, one of the things where I'm very different than my dad is, is I could never get the family devotions down. You know, I, I, as I got older, I read all these things, but he's supposed to have family devotions. And my dad was a great example. Every morning at breakfast, he'd take the Bible. We'd all eat as a family, and he'd read one chapter out of the Bible to us as a family. We never really discussed it a whole lot. Occasionally we did as we got older. But he, even in our teen years, it was required, mandatory. Bre- I mean, we're hungry. We're, we're farm kids. We're going to eat. So that was not a problem. Serve the food, and, and he provides some spiritual food too, right? I can never get that down. But I, but I have the value, and I did the example in other ways. You've got to figure it out for you and how God works in your life and your schedule. But we can lead by example. Look at Joseph's life. Luke Luke 2, 22 and 23. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of the child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem. His parents took him. You're here. You're doing the right things. Bringing your kids to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to, to the Lord. In a few minutes, we're going to dedicate some children to the Lord. We get to do that today. It's, it's what Mary and Joseph did, and God loves it when we dedicate our kids to the Lord. Look at verse, down in verse 39, same chapter. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child, here's, here's what we want for our kids. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was full of wisdom, and God's favor was on him. I'm praying for that for your kids, for mine. Come on, let's believe God for that. Amen. Joseph led his family to serve the Lord. Together, he and Mary created this atmosphere where even the Son of God and all of his siblings could grow up and thrive and, and, and become what God wanted him to be. In fact, one of his brothers actually later became one of the great apostles that you read about in the New Testament. Here's what Luke 2.41 says. Every year, Joseph's parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Some of you are thinking, it's about when Jesus was about 12. Some of you are thinking, praise the Lord, I'll see you next Father's Day, Pastor. No, 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 no. This was on top of the weekly Sabbath gathering in the temple, okay? So um, they, they were there. And when, what happened is they left to go back to Nazareth from Jerusalem. And they thought Jesus was, a, was a rung among the people they were traveling with. But three days later, they realized he wasn't around. And they began searching for him. And they couldn't find him, searched all over. Imagine how panicked and frantic they were. You know, have you, you, ever, you ever lost a kid in a, in a store? Ooh, that'll mess you up. Especially in our day and age. Right? But they knew what that felt like. And so finally they went back and said, well, you know, let's go back to the beginning. Maybe, maybe he's in the temple. And so when they went to Jesus and they found him, here's what Jesus said to them about like, why didn't you tell us? And why? he says, why did you search for me? Why did you, why did you need to search for me? Jesus asked, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? 
Now I've read that for my whole life saying, well, that's Jesus and he knew his heavenly father and he wanted to be his father. But I want you to consider another aspect of this that may be just as valid. And that is Jesus knew because of how his dad led their family that they were going to be in church and they were going to be in the temple and they were going to love the things of the Lord. And so what happened is Jesus went to the most familiar place that because of his dad's love for God, it, 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 it permeated into him and he went back to there and thinking, why would you look for me anywhere else? You know, I'm not going to be hanging out in the street. You taught me this, this way, dad. You raised me this way. This is where I would be. You ever think about that? Joseph had an impact on him. So as we close this morning, Joseph's not famous. He didn't, he didn't get all the press. He didn't get the publicity. Who, who for the last 2,000 years is the most known? Mary. Jesus. But not Joseph. But Joseph made an impact. For every dad who is unnoticed unknown nobody gives you the credit that you're doing the right thing day in and day out i want to just say i believe god salutes you i salute you today let's keep doing it because here's what i know we can be unrecognized and still impact future generations we can be unrecognized and still impact future generations your kids are going to know you your wife is going to know you and you're going to be able to make an impact for generations. Amen? Let's bow before the Lord this morning. Bow our heads before him today. And if you're a dad here today and you say, man, I need to make some adjustments, just talk to the Lord about that. Maybe your mom, a student, say, man, I've got some choices that I need to make. I need to, I need to really dial in and hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. Or maybe you need to employ self-control. Or maybe you just need to step up your leadership um, of of your family towards serving God, whatever it is. Just let God talk to you about that and work in your life as I pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that you love us and that you're working in our lives. Father, I pray today for every dad that you would help us to lead our families to you, Jesus. Lord, for every dad this, this morning that might be feeling like they've blown it, they've messed up, they're just doing their own thing now because it's too late. Father, I pray that you would work in their heart and let them see it's not too late because you're still the miracle working God. Father, you'll help them. You'll help their kids. You'll help their family. And Father, I thank you that you'll bring out a great positive impact for the eternity for you, Jesus, as their lives are lived for you. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. As you're sitting here this morning, I don't know who has the right relationship with God today. Maybe you're sitting here and think, well, you know, if I were to die right now, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. Well, you can know. You don't have to go another moment without knowing that you have a relationship with Jesus. Some of you may be thinking, well, pastor, you know, I, 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 love, I love Jesus, but I have a hard time with the church in general. That's his bride. And it's not, we're not perfect. But I'm telling you what, don't let it keep you from going all in on Jesus. Get over that. Move past it. God's got great things for you. But the first step is really, for those of you that have not, is surrendering your life to Jesus. And that's a simple decision because he died on the cross to pay for every sin, past, present, and future. So let's invite him in. Let's ask him to give us a new life.
to empower us with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to do that by praying a prayer together this morning. And I want all of you that have already prayed this prayer with us to pray it again. And those of you that are doing it for the first time, just pray it to God like you mean it. And here's what I know. God's going to hear you. And he's going to answer that prayer. Let's say this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I turn away from my old life. And I turn to you. God, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord, be my leader, change my life. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.